relax, sit down, take your shoes off and get ready to listen to This Is Bodybuilding. It's a bodybuilding podcast, it's a life podcast, it's a journal, a personal journal, uh, it's an entryway into the hearts and the minds and the lives and the souls of the people involved in the world of bodybuilding. And I'm your host, Daniel Lancefield, and in two weeks' time, I'm going to be heading off to Brazil for the uh, the WFF Universe, which is, yeah, it feels like yesterday that we got, we got back from Ireland um, from the World Championships, but uh, yeah, here we are again on the the precipice on the on the cusp of uh, of another muscle tour, so uh, I'm, I'm I'm pretty excited about that. I've got to, I've got to say I'm not I'm not counting down the days. I don't like to get that you know into it, but um, I find that uh, you know when, when I'm sitting on the plane and the, they close the doors and there's no one sitting next to you and you can you know, relax and put your feet up. That's that's really when it uh, when the magic happens for me. I know I'm. You know, there's nothing between me and a, and a good holiday, so I'm I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, also, I, I well, last year in Ireland, I actually spent my 30th birthday. Um, I'm trying to think when the show the show was. I think the day, before my birthday was the day before the show, so I turned 30 the day before the World Championships. Uh, and this year, I'm going to be spending my 31st birthday in Cyprus, of all places, um, at the WFF World Championships over there. So. Just you know, what what better place to spend your birthday? I was there in Cyprus about eleven, I think it was about eleven years ago now, and um, absolutely magical place. Made some really great friends, so it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be pretty exciting. I'm I'm looking forward to that one. Um, today my guest is Johanna Mountfit. She's a New Zealand WFF pro figure competitor. I'm trying to think. She's won Miss New Zealand a, a bunch of times, I believe. Um, Pretty sure she won Miss Southern Hemisphere as well. Um, she's been over to many shows in Australia and and around the world. Um, she's been competing for for quite a while uh, as a, a natural figure competitor. Um, and I, I stress that point because she she likes to you know remind people that you don't have to uh, don't have to do all sort of sorts of weird and wonderful things with your body in order to achieve really good results and. She's the living embodiment of, of what, you know, figure competitors really should be. Um, you know, she's, well, yeah, if you, if you haven't seen photos of Johanna Mountford, please just, just yeah, jump onto Facebook and, and look her up because she's absolutely astonishing. Um, and today, you know, we, we get into a, a lot of, uh, well, yeah, a lot of different topics. Um, the We recorded this interview, I think the day or, or I think it was the day after she won the Karma Classic here in, uh, here in Australia. Um, on top of that, she's also won the uh, Asia Pacific Championships last year in in uh, Adelaide, and she also won the Pan Pacific Championships um, in Auckland. So, you know, three for three was was pretty good. Uh, she went up to Sydney about two or three weeks after we recorded this interview, and placed second to Sheree Gosso in the um, Miss Galaxy. So, you know, you can't win them all, uh, but she came very close, and and. You know, it it really does show that uh, you know, she can she can tangle it with the best of them. Um, she's going over to Brazil, so it, we, she's going to be with uh, with our Australian and New Zealand team over there, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun because she's a she's a great uh, she's a great ambassador for the sport, and she's really lovely and she's a good person to be around. Um, it's sort of interesting actually because I think I'd known her for <clears throat> known her for a while on Facebook, and it's weird, you know, you. you you run into people in real life, and then you realise I actually don't know anything about you other than what I've seen on Facebook. So I know 
a lot of people as competitors, but when I actually get to know them personally, um, most of the time I, I find that I, I, I actually really like them outside of the, the bodybuilding and, and fitness industry realm, um, which is definitely the case with Johanna. She's such a lovely person, so down to earth, uh, a great mentor, a great, um, so it's just a great person all around. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, I won't, uh, won't say too much more about it. She's, um, you know, she's a, she's a good quality competitor, a good, good quality person. And, um, I'm sure no matter what happens over in the universe, she's going to do very, very well. And certainly she's going to do New Zealand very proud. Today's episode is brought to you absolutely free on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, uh, Google Play podcasts. For those in the United States, you can now, I don't, I don't think we have Google Play podcasts in Australia, but um, I managed to fool the Google Play uh, servers and get my podcast up there. So, hey, if you're listening to this over in the USA on Google Play, cool. Um, jump onto Facebook and let me know how that goes for you because we can't access it here in Australia. But um, yeah, if you do, if you do like what you what you're hearing, um, me talking absolute bollocks for five minutes before an episode starts, um, jump onto Facebook and uh, give me a like at This Is Bodybuilding. You can also find me on YouTube at YouTube slash This Is Bodybuilding. I've got some uh, some unique video content up there and I'll be uploading a few little bits and pieces as we go. I'm hoping once once we get over to Brazil, I'm hoping to um, upload some videos with my good mate Danny DeMello, who's a photographer, one of the best in the business. Um, and just, you know, just generally show what uh, what things are going on behind the scenes because it's sort of the stuff that you don't really get to see the the thoughts and the feelings from the, the lesser known competitors or you know the amateur competitors we, you know people tend to focus on the top level pros and what they think and what they feel but no one really ever asks you know the the Johnny six pack competitor who might uh, might only do one or two shows a year or maybe you know one show every couple of years but still has a big part to play in the in the fabric of what the bodybuilding community is so that's kind of a little bit you know what I'm trying to accomplish with that anyway I'm going to shut the hell up I hope you enjoy the episode and um yeah leave the uh, leave some comments if you like but for now enjoy the show Johanna Mountford hello how are you I'm good this morning. I had a really good sleep. You, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you slept well. Yeah, stuffed. I was yeah. asleep with my head on the table pretty much right after dinner. <laughs> that was it. Was a long day yesterday. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was so, awesome. So you've you've. Uh, I think I'm going to signal to you on stage. It's three for three now. You got the uh, Asia Pacific, yep. the Pan Pacific, now the Karma Classic yep. under your belt. Yep. What do you What do you think is going to be next for you? Um, so this year's going to be a really nice season. I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, it's lovely to have that under my belt. Um, next show will be the Miss Galaxy in Sydney. Yep. So I'm really looking forward to that. An all-female show is always a really good one to be part of. And um, depending on how that goes, then I'd love to go back to the WFF Universe and yep. win that as professional. Cool. Yeah. Well, it's um, well, the WFF Universe is in Brazil yeah. this year, so that should be an exciting yeah. one. Had, um, had a big show in Orlando last year. That's, yeah, it looked um, incredible. Yeah. It's, in, it's, it's, it's always... It's always interesting because every time you know, every time we go you know, around the world, people, new people, come out of the woodwork. Yeah. And just when you think the standard could couldn't get any better, you're wow, geez, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look who's yeah, look who's stepped who's it up arrived. a notch. Yeah. So it's um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's never never slowing down. Yeah. Um. So take me back to 
to when you first started competing oh, yeah. where was your where, where was your first competition obviously you're from New Zealand so. yes correct um well I have a, a ballet background I was a professional okay. ballerina that was my first career um and then after I got married and and had children and had done some personal training qualifications and was working quite successfully as a personal trainer I um I sort of found that I wasn't making any time for myself and I didn't really I was training but I didn't really have anything specific that I was training for but I had a real passion for training um but also I had two young children and at the time my youngest was two no my youngest was crawling and my eldest was two um and I was actually just starting to go a little bit crazy <laughs> I just was giving so much time to my family and so much time to my clients yeah. um and I was starting to feel a little bit lost and probably underneath it all I might have been missing the stage um, having been on it all my life since I was four years old. So um, someone came to work in the gym that I was based in and, and sort of saw me training one day and they had a background in bodybuilding and she said, you know, you should think about doing a bodybuilding competition. And I sort of thought... Um, Really? <laughs> Am I? Did the background in ballet give you? I mean, obviously, you've got quite a, an athletic physique. Mm. Um, has that always been the case, or was this something that's? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I've trained my body since I was four years old, yeah. so I was the kid in the school photos with the little calf muscles. <laughs> <laughs> I was that kid, <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess my physique was really just starting to. Um, sort of lay down its foundations from then onwards Mm. Um, and then as I got um, sort of more and more into dancing and training and conditioning and that kind of thing Mm. I was always the girl in the ballet studio but I was always on the floor doing all my Pilates conditioning and constantly doing abs and you know adductor abductor and glute work and that kind of thing if there was a cross trainer there I'd be on that (laughs) (laughs) so even when I was in the ballet company I was doing all that stuff and got a bit of a reputation for myself you know popping off the gym things like that so yes it definitely laid down some really good foundations not only physically but um, you know, being on stage, having all that stage experience, performance, X Factor, mm. um, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely helped to kind of set me apart. And there's so many parallels um, between ballet and bodybuilding, funnily enough, and I guess um, it would be easy to assume that there wouldn't be any. But Is ballet, ju- I mean, when you do, is it, you see this competitive ballet? Competitive yeah, there dancing. is. Yeah, there is, is it judged... Um, in a similar fashion, you've got a panel of judges and they, they score you. Uh, actually, I'm not sure. I was never really into competitions. Yeah. Um, I believe that um, dance is an art form, first mm. and foremost. It's not a competitive yeah. sport, though it hasn't been made that sort mm. of in recent times. Um, so, and yeah, I did a couple of competitions and did very well and, you know, kind of top of New Zealand in the, in the few that I did when I was studying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the parallels really are just, um, first and foremost, discipline, Mm. um, conditioning, diet, um, and just having that passion and that goal to just always be the best and to exceed Mm. your own expectations and just always looking in the mirror and perfecting the vision that you see there. Mm. And that's exactly what I do with my posing and, um, 
and conditioning is I'm just constantly looking in the mirror and deciding where I want to take my mm. physique next. And mm. I was doing that as a dancer and I still do that now. So what, yeah. was, the, what was the first show you ever did? Um, it was actually... Um, <laughs> it was a New Zealand NZFBB show at the time. Okay. It was called the yeah. NZFBB. Yeah. Now it's called the NZIFBB. Yeah. So that was my very first show. Was Momosawi still running? Was he he was not quite there yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he took over at the end of the next year. Okay, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, so it was a bit of a flop, my first show. Um, <laughs> so the, the coach that I had was not particularly... Um, experience with putting figure girls on stage yeah. and gave me some pretty weird posing and told me I could wear a costume for my posing routine <laughs> uh yeah and um and I was pulled off stage um after the awards there were three judges waiting for me in the wings and they basically took me aside and said yeah we could have disqualified you because <laughs> it was all wrong you've potential lovely stage presence yeah. I happened to play second, luckily enough, but they yeah. said, you've got to work on your posing and, yeah. and you need to really get it right. <laughs> so it was mortifying, but it was just the right feedback because yeah. then after that I went and found all the right people and got so myself the right coaching. How many, how many years ago was that? That was 2008, so that was eight years okay, ago. Okay, so all right. So I mean, mm. I guess I, I sort of had it in mind that you, you've been competing for know, 10 yeah. years. Well, actually, no, it is 10 yeah, years. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, eight years. How long were you training before you started competing? Well, for that show, that was a four-week prep. Okay. <laughs> but you've I mean, been training in the but gym, obviously. Yeah, I had been. Before, and so. it was kind of functional training yeah. and kind of high-intensity. I was doing lots of cardio. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so I was kind of that. I was that girl. Yeah. And then um, after, um, well, yeah, going through a little bit of a bodybuilding prep, and I knew it was going to be good for me as a trainer to kind of experience, you know, lower rep ranges and yeah. higher sets and pushing to failure, which I had never really done before. Mm. So at the time, it was quite a daunting aspect. Mm. Um, but yeah, and then following that, then I've just really worked to develop my own systems that work really well for myself. But I now have used it on numerous clients as well. So okay. um, yeah, so I have my own How long after systems. starting to compete did you decide to take on clients yourself? Um, not oh, pretty much after the first competition, okay. I decided that it was something that I was really enjoying and yeah. felt like I, if I continued to do it, that I could be really good at it. And mm. so, yeah, started to kind of make some suggestions to some clients who I thought might have some potential. Mm. And um, yeah, it started to take off, which was awesome. And then the more experience I got, then and the bigger my following got, and you know, then people were kind of seeking me out for coaching and. Yeah. I became better and better at posing, and um, it, sort of and it just all yeah. yeah, it all started to come together quite nicely. So your, your kids have obviously not really seen you outside of the bodybuilding, yeah, true, you know, world. I guess mm. um, is that been a, a bit of a surreal experience for them? Do they have they taken to it quite naturally, or yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I, I was pretty much the same. My yeah, you know, obviously my dad was competing from the time I was a, a toddler. Mm. Um, I think he, he had really obviously been competing before that. Mm. But when I was a kid, I, the, some of the earliest memories I have are of going to England for the mm. Mr. Universe contest and yeah. you know, him on stage. Yeah. Um, and that's just, for me, it's just very natural. And I know yeah. people, 
people outside, especially when I was a kid, other kids would look at it and go, oh, this is really weird. <laughs> exactly. And I'd be like, oh, yes. you know, people are like, what does your dad do for a job? And I think, oh, he's a bodybuilder. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he owned yeah. a gym. He was a design draftsman for ACI and yeah, had other things. But that's pretty much the way I, I identified him. Mm. Um, do you think that's how your kids it, look at you? That's exactly right. And I wanted to ask you that same question today about how it was for you because – um, yeah, it is. It's it's pretty much all they've known. Yeah. Um, and now they, my youngest is nine and my eldest is 11. Okay. Um, and they've, uh, yeah, they've kind of seen the whole process and they're cool with it. Like they understand that that's what I do and that, you know, every other year or, or at least, um, you know, most seasons I'm doing something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, like I think, and I'm sure you can relate to this sort of being a kid and having a parent who does a sport like bodybuilding, which is just not really the norm and it's yeah. pretty extreme. And yeah. especially my eldest, who's at the age of 11, is very aware of all her friends and fitting in. And so she'll, she doesn't like me coming to school to pick her up and, Mum, can you cover up your arms? And, you know, <laughs> what are you going to wear to my parent teacher interview and that kind of thing? Because she, it's just. I'm going to wear a, a, just you know, so weird. a dazzled G that's sort of what goes through your head like oh god is this going to be an an embarrassing situation yeah that's right and and she thinks that everyone then stares at her because I look like that then everyone wonders about her you know but I mean I do sure you you get used to being stared at when when you're a competitive bodybuilder you you don't look like everyone else people Mm. look at you like they're just trying to figure out what you're all about (laughs) and they so I I can see it on their faces they're not sure if they like it or if they don't like it you know um, but, uh, yeah, for kids, it's, it, they just, it's so important that they fit in. And so yeah. I respect that. And when I'm around her school and her friends, I mean, her friends that know me well, you know, they know what I do. They come to our house. They've seen the, the huge trophy shelf <laughs> in the posing studio and everything. Yeah. But, you know, I try and be respectful. Uh, you got a posing studio at your house. I do. Oh, that's awesome. So <laughs> yeah. is, is that just for my you? My happy place. Or, you, <laughs> or have you, do you use that as a client? Yeah, you know, yeah. Okay. So I have I have clients that come to see me at home and they come into the posing studio and that's our space to, cool. to work on posing. And it's just a, a lovely area. I really enjoy being in there. So yeah. how do you find balancing being mum with being a competitive bodybuilder and mm. obviously you know, you're, you're married and you know, mm. got, yeah, there's, there's, yeah. A, there's a lot more going on. People probably look at you and think you know, if, they, if they judge you based on your physique, it's mm. like, I wish, you know, you're a bodybuilder. Yeah, but They don't exactly. really see all of the, no. the family stuff that goes no, on. No, exactly. How, how do you find juggling all that? It and, and is a real that? juggle. Um, and um, I, I actually feel like my life is evenly split into three, almost like three personalities. I feel like I have a split, <laughs> almost split personality in that way because if I put on my mother's hat, I'm 100% being a mother. My children come first, yeah. all their needs come first, and my needs go secondary to that. Yeah. Even sometimes, as much as I <laughs> don't like to say it, even my bodybuilding needs. Yeah. you know. But that's purely because... I am a mother, first and foremost. Um, And then obviously I have my coach's hat and I have my athlete hat. And the thing about, you know, being a mother and a bodybuilder is that those two heads will often clash and collide and they battle with each other. And, but I do feel ultimately that the mother (laughs) always has the last say and she'll boss around the athlete. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, but you know, athlete will fight back. So yeah. I really <laughs> coach sits in the, the middle and will struggle. go between the two. It can be yeah. such a juggle, and there's always, there's, you know, just feel spread really thin. Mm. Sometimes just um, keeping on top of everything that needs to be done for the family, mm. and and plus all the food prep and training, and then all the coaching clients and and that kind of thing. But you know, that's the way that I I manage it myself is to be able to kind of separate it mm. out and when I'm in my athlete zone I can yeah. kind of be a little bit mm. more selfish than when I'm in my my mother's zone helps my to be coach able to zone compartmentalize things and say yeah you know when you're at the gym that's your time yeah. to be exactly chat them out for the athlete the athlete yeah you know when you come home and the kids are yep. crying and <laughs> that's right each other. That's all right, right. You know, everything else is decided you know you've got to exactly. deal with this right now um I guess it seems to me like, especially in this day and age with, um, yeah, everyone's got all of their dirty mm. laundry out on social media. Mm, there, totally. there really is no just, you know, discrete parts of your life. Everything's mm. just exactly. out for everyone to see it and everything's be, just yeah. a big mesh. It can um, be. Mm. So it's, yeah, I guess it probably helps to have, yeah, have that separation of things. Yeah, absolutely. And all my social media is mostly about me being an athlete. I don't put too much of my family stuff or my personal stuff on there. I mean, I'm sure people would like to know more, yeah. but for me, you know, that's kind of my private life. And I, I put it up there to sometimes, occasionally, to be real and that kind of thing. But, yeah, I guess it, it's, it's, yeah, it's there, precious. There's, yeah. yeah, there's on, mm. on the one hand, people want to see you as a real person, but on mm. the other hand, you also want to be able to protect. Definitely. Yeah, protect your family. And, you, mm. don't, you know, there's obviously... There's a lot of great things about the bodybuilding industry. Mm. There's also a lot of yep. nefarious and insidious things yep. that can, can, exactly. can come to the surface. So Yep, and um, it, it happens, yeah, and it's yeah, happened before. To, yeah. mm. um, so h- how did you how did you find your way into the WFF? Oh, yeah, great question. Um, <clears throat> so I've competed with the... In New Zealand, we have the four main federations. So we have yeah. IMBA, we have NABA WFF. We also have another NABA, NABA which is associated NABA. with NAC. And we have the IMBA. Yep. So um, as I was sort of going through my novice and, and open figure sort of stages, I competed with them all because I was kind of trying to figure out where I fit in yep. the best. And that's what I always recommend for my clients as well. You've got to figure out mm. where you fit in, where your body really hits the criteria. Yep. Um, so I was already in Miss New Zealand with the NABA NAC. Yep. Which is a really big federation in New Zealand, actually. Yeah, it it yeah. tends to kind of pull in the most athletes mm. and have the most shows. Um, and, um, and yeah, and I'd done a bit of competing with the IMBA as well. And over here in Australia, yeah. I had done some of their shows and done well. Um, but, no, I was actually contacted by um, some of the organisers of the NABA WFF New Zealand shows. Okay. And they had said, hey, we're putting on this show. We'd really love you to come and compete with us mm. and... And so I had my first experience at the Pan Pacifics. Okay. Um, and that would have was been that Alex in, and Leanne's. Uh, at the time, that? no, um, no, it was Wendy. Okay. Um, and so yeah, they yeah they put on a, a little show. It still wasn't that big at the time. I think mm. um, Never Dog Fifth was still finding its feet yeah. in New Zealand. hadn't been around that long, but yeah, went and did the show and was so impressed that after I'd been on stage straight away whole bunch of the judges came straight up to me mm. thank you so much for coming to compete with us they gave me great feedback 
just were so passionate and um, energetic and positive. And they said, hey, we're, you know, we'd love for you to go and represent New Zealand at the WF Universe next year, 2013. Yeah. You know, would you consider that? We think that you'd be highly competitive. We only send our top athletes there. Um, and, you know, what do you think? And straight away I was in after that. Like, that was just so positive. And I pretty much didn't look back okay. after that. And, um yeah, continued to compete with them. And, and when I did that yeah. universe in 2013 in Thessaloniki, and that was where I first met um, Graham. Yeah. And, and, um, was that your first overseas, like big overseas trip? Yeah, it was. Going tempting. from Australia to New Zealand yeah. and back, it's sort of... Fairly similar. It's, it's like mm. a, if we go from Melbourne to Perth, you know, it's a four-hour flight. Yeah. From Melbourne to Auckland's a four-hour flight. Exactly. So it's not all that, I guess, the... Yeah. That's right. New and Zealand the shows are run the same. Yeah. You know, the layout of the show, even the climate is not too different. Time zone is not too different. So I'm guessing the WFF Universe 2013 would have been the last year. Well, it was. I think that was the last year that Klaus Hoffman yes. did the... Graham was there <laughs> and he, he was starting to have a bit of influence, but yeah. it was not the WFF that we now know, and, that's and for sure. For, for anyone who, who, doesn't, who doesn't remember that or never got to experience that, mm. that involved... Uh, Klaus getting up there with a stick and pointing at people and saying you're in this class and you're in that class and yeah that's right the category calls uh, yeah yeah. they used to call it the cattle call yeah the cattle call exactly Um, and everyone would just stand up in a big in a big line and you get put in different classes yep all the women Um, all on stage and they just said you're athletic you're super body (laughs) your performance and yeah it was Um, crazy it's obviously a lot different now yeah but so your your first overseas experience with was Thessaloniki Mm. um was that was that the first time you ever went to Greece yes how did you find oh no it wasn't I had traveled there okay but yeah first time time competing in Europe yeah Yeah, Yeah, exactly different yeah different sort of thing um what was the first time you know your first traveling competing experience like yeah, that was that was huge because um, obviously having never sort of done a long haul flight as an athlete no, and yeah. prepping your body in a long haul flight takes a lot of planning and you have to really know your body so well mm. and um, and it's a little bit of a gamble. You don't quite know how it's going to respond to the flight. Yeah. You know, I think I arrived three days before the show. Okay, so you know it was. It was just enough time to kind of only just acclimatize for a few days, but I was water loading on the plane and, you know, sort of sussing out my food. Like I brought as much as I could for the first leg of the journey to Bangkok, but I knew I wouldn't be able to, (laughs) they would take any remaining food off me there. So it was pretty much rice cakes and chicken out of a can, you know, (laughs) on the plane for the the rest of the journey. It was hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Once you got over there, Mm. was it a, a big shock oh my God. trying to trying to navigate yeah. Thessaloniki and <laughs> I mean I, I've, I've been there I, I know what it's like yeah um, and it, you know a lot of Europe you know mm. in, in Melbourne especially you know, you can walk down the street and there's a supermarket and a coffee shop and that in Europe sometimes you've got to go a, that little bit further and sometimes, if you don't have a car yeah. or you don't understand the public transport system oh and the language and yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> the language exactly um, yeah it's easy to get lost were, were you travelling on your own at that point yeah Okay, so that's a, that's, a big, that's a big call. First time overseas <laughs> yeah. traveling on your own. Oh, it was huge. I just remember getting on the plane in Auckland <laughs> to do the first leg of the journey, and yeah. I was almost hyperventilating. I was yeah. just thinking, oh, my what God. I, what am I doing? What, what am I doing? Leaving my family at home. This is just, this is huge. I think about the finances that had been invested, and mm. I just sat there, and we hadn't even left the tarmac, and I thought, 
I just have to win this. I can I've there just has to be justification for doing this and I just have to win. There's no other option. I just gotta go there and smash it and I just decided at that point that yeah. <laughs> this is what had to happen. And so um the so yeah, the first stop was Bangkok, the second stop was Vienna. That was quite okay. a big um stopover. I think I was there for about twelve hours or yeah. You know, Jesus so between eight to twelve hours, I think I probably pretty much just lay down in the airport yeah. for a while, and then it was an hour from Vienna to Thessaloniki. Okay. Got to Thessaloniki, and my luggage had been lost Ooh. somewhere between Vienna and Thessaloniki. So, and the, the, the airport in Thessaloniki <laughs> yeah. is like a shack. Yeah. <laughs> and there's this funny little creaky old conveyor belt going around and around, and I'm standing there looking for my bright pink luggage to come through and it was not there and then I heard some Aussie accents and I turned my head and there was some of the Aussie team and it was Callum Von Moja and Jimmy (laughs) Boozer and Shaz Campbell and I sort of wandered over and I was like hey you guys competing at the universe they're like yeah oh hang with us I said my luggage is missing they said so is ours (laughs) thank god for Jimmy being Greek he went and sussed it all out and our luggage was located oh, okay. and then That's... we went together from the airport to the accommodation and so that worked out beautifully thank yeah. heavens <laughs> so, some of the um, I think I've only ever flown into into Athens in, in and out oh, yeah. of Athens because when, when I was in Greece the last time um, we took a bus up to Thessaloniki and then oh did we, you I think we yeah, I think we took a ferry back oh, to, cool. to Athens after that it was, yeah. it was weird sort of transiting um, but I remember being in Cyprus years ago and we got the the world championships in Cyprus later this year. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, that's an interesting experience getting there because you've. Well, I flew into Athens and then flew to Cyprus. Yeah. And I remember getting to Cyprus and thinking, why is there no customs here? Yes. Like you could literally just walk yes, into this country. Yes, that was the same. And, and, and yeah. The Nikki's, so, yeah. You, know, you get there and there's, there's one bloke with a with a yep. dog. Exactly. That's pretty much customs. And you just cruise like, past. Oh, yeah. You just walk past. No one cares. <laughs> no, oh, no, is, no. Really, yeah, no security, yeah. no bag searching. Yeah. Nothing. I think it's it's yeah. a big shock when when Australians who have never been overseas. Yeah. Or, you know, New Zealanders when you go when you come into Australia, and New Zealand, there's there's oh, very yeah. strict so environmental tight. controls yep. and strict passport mm. control. Um, similar to when you go to the US, mm. maybe not as strict as, as yeah, the US. Yeah, but it's not um, far off. But, yeah. but even in, in, in Asia, a lot of countries there, you know, we you, you get ready for a couple mm. of hours. Exactly. Um, you know, Waiting a long queue. But, yeah, sometimes <laughs> yeah. in Europe, it's just, yeah, whatever, go on. Absolutely. We don't care. We don't care. I know. God, yeah. you could have smuggled anything at Yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And smuggling things around Europe yeah. must be a lot easier yeah. than in and out of uh, in and that out of crazy. Yeah, I was definitely surprised. So yeah. Mm. Um, so you, the next show after that was the World Championships. Yes, you, it was. was. I had a good show. year off after that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just took a year off to just um, you know get back in the zone with my family and just give them a bit of a break and give my body a break, put on some size and. Um, and it was really good. And so, yeah, then from there, it was just great because Graham had taken over by then. Yep. And it was lovely having him there in Thessaloniki because, you know, got to know him and kind of see how dedicated he was to us. And um, he really, he took the, the Aussie team aside and I was kind of in there as well, <laughs> being the only Kiwi. So he was looking after me too, which was really nice and kind of gave us advice in the category calls and all that kind of thing. Mm. So then going to the Worlds, I kind of I felt in you know I felt supported and they knew me and also um I had competed at that venue 
um, at Twin Towns yep. at the Southerns and had won the overall WFF. And that was just before the Thessaloniki okay, show. Yep. Um, so it was just really nice going back to that venue. And mm. it was just so easy because you can just stay there at the venue. Yep. Such a fantastic venue, Twin yeah. Towns. Yeah. yeah nice. So it was, it was just very kind of uh, cruisy to just be there and only had to just look after my condition and yeah. go on the stage and smash it and that was where um yeah where I won and got offered my pro card which was just the highlight of my that career was, was that in superbody or athletic athletic, or athletic? okay yeah <laughs> that's a story in itself because I probably should have been performance <laughs> so we, we, you know, heights and weights and yeah everything, definitely you know, everything always gets a bit bit confused once you start going am I class one this or class two yeah and just that's right, because the international weight restriction for the female athletic class is slightly different to the, the Australian and New Zealand weight restriction where we just had the short and tall class. Yeah, yeah. But with the international weight restrictions, to be an athletic, I had to be between 50 and 55 kilos okay. for my height. But I was competing at 47. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I did not so want to do performance. So, so you beat competitors... A couple of kilos. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I went to weigh in the day before, and I did not want to do performance. I wanted to do athletic. Mm. I wanted to win athletic, and so I got on those scales, full of water, full bladder, <laughs> <laughs> weighed in at fifty two, went to the toilet. Uh, an hour later, I was forty eight. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was a really good win, and it was a really good athletic class. Yeah. You know, really good quality girls on stage. Thirteen of us. What's your great. comp weight like now? A little, um, a little bit heavier than that, or now I'm at about I competed about fifty. Okay, so mm. that, and that, that's you know people think uh, generally if you're fifty kilos. Yeah. All oh, right. How, how tall are you? Five two to one hundred fifty six. Okay, mm. so I guess maybe yeah, um, you might be a little bit, bit taller, but people mm. generally at, at so fifty kilos mm. or less, people go, oh my god, that's anorexic. Yeah. You know oh, that's that's scary. Yeah. You know, um, but. As a as a bodybuilder, if you're yeah. 50 kilos, that's yeah, that, that, that that's, that's really that's pretty much that's, that's, that's almost a, your entire yeah. lean yeah, muscle mass. You know, my yeah, I'm at like 46, 47 kilos lean muscle. Yeah, yeah. Um, is your is your plan over the long term to keep adding to that a little bit every year, or, or are um, you sort of comfortable with where your weights? I'm happy where I'm at now. Um, I always try and gain a bit more. I'm actually not sure as a natural athlete if mm. if I physically can like that's yeah. always the goal i don't think um my weight this year is too different to what i was last year yeah even though i did do a mm. you know I, I gunned it in the off season mm. um but you know i choose to stay natural and just um keep refining my symmetry mm. really so i think that's, yeah. that's probably an important thing as well that um very often it's not well, you know, we, we always say it's not about the weight on the scales, it's about the quality of the physique and, yeah. and having the, as fewer flaws as possible. Mm. Uh, and we saw that with um, Robbie Begonna mm, exactly. last year when he, he 65 kilos and he's yeah. taking out the pro, pro mm. class of the universe exactly. uh, against people who are 80, 100 yep. kilos. Yeah. Um, That's what this, I love about WFE. The, the, same, the same with you. You, you could be <laughs> yeah. 50 kilos yeah. and there are other girls on stage. I'm not going to, oh, you know, yeah. I'm not going to speak about whether or not they're they're natural or mm. not. But, um, you know, it doesn't really matter yeah. who they are or where they come from or, yeah. or what they're doing with their bodies. Mm. Um, the quality of your physique is flawless, and that's really. But, but yeah, that, mm. that's really what it comes down to. Mm. It's not about how many drugs you take or mm. how, how much weight you can lift. Mm. It's about you know the, what you present on stage on the on day. The day. Yeah. 
Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people they get lost in this yep. idea of I agree getting bigger, you know, yeah, complex body sciences and yep. body chemistry yep. and external exactly. chemicals, <laughs> you know, exactly. How much you're taking and what are you yeah. lifting? It, it's it, you know, it, it's a lot more simple than that. It is. It is simple. What what I do is simple. Yeah, really is compared to what I know a lot of and other people do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. G- given the number of people that you've competed against over mm. the years, there's probably a, a healthy mix of. Uh, yep. natural yep. and non-natural competitors Absolutely. in that mm-hmm. um, and you tend to come out on top pretty much every time every time I've been unbeaten since yeah. 2011 oh there you go yeah so what's the so you're looking at maybe the universe this year yep Brazil um, that'll be that'll be an interesting show because we're going to have a lot of uh, yeah a lot of world champions and yep. universe champions and that all in the mix yep. together and there's going to be a lot of different exactly a lot of different physiques on stage mm. a of, yeah a lot of different quality um, yeah the judging is going to be well, don't it, envy their job it's, it's, it's always it's always funny when you go overseas and you've got yeah. uh, in orlando last year we had 23 judges from 20 different countries mm. and most of them sat there all day and judged mm. and we finished about eight o'clock nine o'clock at night which was not too pretty bad good, all pretty good. yeah um but you know when people want to get get all up in arms and go, oh, you know, the judges got it wrong or mm. I'm not what they were looking for. Mm. Or, you know. mm. It's like, well, okay, if you want to tell, in some organisations they might only have you know, two or three judges. Yeah. Um, maybe they got it wrong. Yeah. When you've got 23 people, yeah. you can't rig <laughs> you exactly. can't rig the judging yeah. with 23 people. And most mm. of them, a lot of them don't speak English. Mm. They speak physique. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're speaking what you know the, the language of bodybuilding, which yeah. is what's being presented yeah. on the stage. Um so yeah, it's always a, it's always an interesting yes. situation when you've got definitely. That. It's going to so, be fascinating. I think I'm there's excited um, to see what will looks happen. like there's a fair bit of interest around Brazil mm. later this year. Mm. Um, cool. And so you mentioned the Miss Galaxy as well. Mm. When did you make the decision to do that I, as well? Was I it made the Karma decision. Classic and Galaxy together and yeah. Well, I was always going to do the Karma Classic this year. And I wasn't too sure what else I was going to do. I just wanted to do the karma. Um, And then I think when Graham tagged me in on the Miss Galaxy post and I saw that Pro Figure wins return flights to the universe, that that was it. (laughs) I was like, yeah, because, you know, for me, going long haul Mm. to compete, leaving my family for probably over a week Mm. and everything that I do in my family, like when I'm gone... Mm. Other people have to step in. Yep. My husband's very busy. He works really long hours. He can't. It's not that easy for him to just step into my role. So mm. it takes my mother-in-law and you know friends of my <laughs> children's, you know, yep. their mums and things like that to kind of step in and and mm. and help with everything that I do. Um, so it's a really big deal. Not to mention all the financial implications. Mm. And I just. You know, to go that far and do that, I've got to really justify it to go. So it really helps to just have that little bit of sort of additional support, even if it's just financially, to to get over there. So it's just not quite so much pressure on my family while I'm gone. So, yeah, that was the clincher for me. Thinking about, I guess, thinking about, you know, the future, obviously, as your kids get older yeah. and that your, you know, their priorities are yeah. going to change, their needs are going to change. Oh, every year they change. Your yep. priorities are going to be changing. Mm. Um, have you thought about, all right, well, there's a, you know, another five years, another mm. ten years, and then, you know, might start to slow down and, mm. you know, have you given it much thought over that time? Yep, Cause I obviously do. Because obviously you haven't been, you've only been competing for ten years. And, mm. 
Um, most people, they think, oh, yeah, I'll be competing when I'm 50 and 60 yeah, and 70. Yeah, correct. Um, is that, you know, do you sort of have a yeah. mandate in um, mind where you'd be comfortable finishing or is it? Well, obviously as a pro, um, pro figure, we, we only have to wear 45. Um, I'm 38 now. So if I continue to comp- compete every other year, <laughs> that would probably only give me three more years, you know, as a pro. Yeah. Um, in WFF. So, you know, there's kind of that to bear in mind. However, obviously, in WFF, the pro division is growing. Mm. You know, the stakes are higher. We're now starting to see cash prizes and, you know, things like that coming forward, which makes it more lucrative for Mm. us, more tempting, you know. Um, I would still, I'd like to go out while I'm still at the top, obviously. Yeah. I don't want to start to kind of, you know, decline mm. <laughs> too much. And um, I know a lot yeah. of people say, you know, like winning that pro universe title or mm. that pro world championships mm. title, that's the pinnacle. Yeah. And once absolutely. you do that, all right, you know, yep. you, can, so you can not rest on your laurels, but yeah. you can say, all right, well, you know, I don't have to exactly. bust my ass to get, mm. you know, to, just to try and get second place in some Definitely. local show. Yeah. You know, I can really pick and choose my, my targets. Exactly. That. Exactly. That's, that's the big goal is to do really well at universe. Yeah. I mean, to go there as a natural athlete, that's kind of always at the back of my mind and I've always sort of been nervous about that, I guess, Mm. Um, because there are going to be some big girls there. I've Mm. seen previous lineups and that's fine. I'm not necessarily scared of it Mm. because I can, you know, I've beat athletes like that before. you, You get in condition. And yeah, that's, that's the that's the thing. Girls can be you know, mm. competitive. You can be big, mm. um, but if you're not in condition, mm. you get beaten by anyone. Mm. Mm. You know, we say exactly. that all the time. People mm. have, you know, um, well, Steve Bordeaux is probably a good example. He yeah. went to New Zealand for the Pan Pacifics. Um, mm. Got his pro card there. Yeah, you know, he's shredded head to toe yeah. as he always is when he competes. Yeah, um, and he walks away with the you know the pro lineup. Mm. Um, exactly. It's not. Yeah. It's not uh, hard to do do you, do you find getting in condition as a natural competitor a little bit harder i know some mm. you know, some other competitors that might use yeah yeah <laughs> exactly to help, yeah. help them along that journey um, um no because i take care in the off season yeah i don't blow out i don't go more than five or six kilos over my stage weight mm. um my body fat probably only comes up by about five or six percent as well mm-hmm. so it's not that hard to get off my prep for the karma was seven yeah. weeks okay that's pretty good so yeah all things considered yeah that's right i do all my own nutrition and um i just have a a start point and a an end point and just every week i just tailor it down just dialing it in a little bit more and just always looking in the mirror and deciding what i'm going to do next yeah for this week yeah you know um but yeah i mean i i have some use some incredible supplements from body science um they're my main sponsors um and but you know yeah do i find it hard no not really i don't do any cardio none okay so i was actually (laughs) going to ask you about that because there is this raging debate in australia Mm. um of the cardio versus no cardio Mm. schools of thought Mm. um and i know you know speaking to or sitting with steve auto the other day the, the karma classic and um he he said uh you know, do we do cardio? Yes, we do because we know it works. Yeah. But for some people, yeah, your body's might. Everyone be, is different. Yeah, you're naturally inclined yeah. to be 
And I know me personally, if I yeah, if I do a little bit of cardio, I you know shred fat really quickly. Yeah. Um, the second I stop being active, yeah. I can lift weights and, mm. I, and the weight on the scale doesn't change. Mm. I can go for a walk around the block every night and I'll mm. lose kilo after kilo. Right. Yeah. And that's you know probably a good indication that I should start getting <laughs> walking around the block. Um, but uh, yeah, I know yeah for some people doing cardio is the key to getting mm. really shredded, and for others. That's yeah. right. You've got to know like your own body. When did you mm. realise that you didn't need to? Oh, from my very first show. Okay, so you were, were you always. <laughs> I just stopped then. Yep. I had been a cardio girl right up until that point. Yep. And I just I stopped, and I guess I get my intensity from my weights. Mm. Um, I go to failure on most of my sets. I do a lot of drop sets. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of supersets, giant sets. My heart rate's up. Like mm. I'm crawling out the door. Yeah. It's, so it, so your, your training style then is probably a lot more intense compared is, to what a lot of people are doing. Possibly. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I take rest between my sets. I'm not doing like mm. heaps of step-ups and things in between set, sets mm. or anything like that. Um, but when I'm lifting, I'm just, I'm a grunter. <laughs> <laughs> like Monica, Monica Seller style. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's not pretty, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm constantly just, pushing through that fatigue threshold yeah. and it's you know it's not always with huge weight i'll you know start off on big weights but i'll taper it down towards the end of my session and be doing high reps mm-hmm. and just um really pushing the endurance reps and um and and that in itself kind of keeps the heart rate up and stuff but yeah i don't know i just feel like for my body i hold my muscle a lot better mm-hmm. if i'm not doing cardio and yeah. not wasting my calories yeah. on cardio those calories are going into my muscle bellies and growth and stuff. So, yeah, that's just what works for me. But every single individual is different. What yeah, works for one when person. Say, when you've got clients, do you say, hey, don't do any cardio? Or do you say, do cardio if it works for you, but don't be bound by this idea that you have to be on the treadmill for three hours a day yeah. just yeah. to get in condition? It depends on their starting point. So, okay. it depends where they're already at and obviously the length of time that we have for their preparation. Um, like for me, I normally recommend um, for my clients who are in fairly good condition, if they want to put on size, I don't want them doing cardio. Mm. They've just, you know, we make sure the nutrition is right. Nutrition's feeding the muscle, but they're not wasting their calories on cardio. I'd rather those calories be going into growth. Yeah. And then depending on how they're looking then when it's time to kind of cut down, then we might put a bit in, but it'll be minimal, mm. you know, and then we can always bring it up. You always want to keep a little bit sort of in the wings to, to pull out closer to showtime yeah. so that you peak at the right time. Um, I don't want them doing a heap of cardio and then dropping mass and, you know, sacrificing all those hard-earned gains on cardio. Um, but, you know, then some people, if they start off with quite a lot of body fat, yeah. they just have to do it, yeah. you know? Yeah, so. And then I always say, perfect case scenario is that we get you to the point where your muscle is just burning through your calories. You don't need to do cardio. Mm. And that's the thing. It's always about feeding the metabolism mm. so that you're just burning more calories at rest i want to be sleeping and burning calories yeah i don't want to be burning calories on a treadmill i don't have time for that yeah. <laughs> i'm way you too got busy two kids. You got, you got time <laughs> way too busy <laughs> so is there, have you got the same debate in in new zealand that we've got in australia about cardio versus yeah no cardio? i get asked there all the time yeah, yeah but i i don't know i mean it's, it's funny because like 20 years ago i remember um I think I remember seeing a, a, a an Olympia video. It might have been maybe two thousand and two, mm. uh, and I think it was maybe Darren Charles. 
Oh yeah. They, uh, the the guys who were doing the the commentary said, oh yeah, and, and Darren said he did no cardio coming into this show, mm. and he was like, he was really mm. really shredded, really great condition. Wow, great. Um, and that was the first time I'd ever seen anyone do no cardio right. and come in really good condition. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is weird because yeah, how is it, it was possible? just this this yeah. long held traditional belief in bodybuilding going yeah. back to the the 50s and 60s and probably before mm. um that to get in a good physical mm. condition you've got to be doing cardio and weights and yeah. eating you know, eating well and that was exactly. you know, sort of the, the three staple components yeah, but exactly. cardio has become this sort of optional mm. thing that yeah yeah you know, oh. seems to be a lot more popularized i'm than, like him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think if i was yeah. to do it i don't think i could be as full Mm. I don't, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's just my method, and that's what what I prefer. Okay. It works really, really well for me, and um, yeah, it's it's great because you don't have to commit so much time in the gym. I just go in there, do my weights for, you know, what's not typical, even ninety what's a minutes. What's typical gym session for you then? An hour to ninety minutes? Yeah, or, yeah, thereabouts, and then because. I don't want to be there any longer. I need to be yeah. eating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. got to get the food in as soon as possible. I'm yeah. working hard to retain my mass the, with the, regularity. The, people still have, uh, I suppose, people outside of the bodybuilding world, mm. um, they have this idea that if you're a competitive bodybuilder, you spend all of your time at the gym. Yes, they do. Yeah, exactly. Or shredding, yeah. doing cardio, or eating. Mm. And that's mm. pretty much the, three, the, the only three things you're ever going to do. Yeah. Um, how often do people come up to you and go, oh, geez, you must spend like yeah. 10 hours a day in the gym? Oh, all the time, everywhere I go. Oh, so yeah, how many hours a day do you train? I say, oh, One. <laughs> yeah, about an hour and a quarter, yeah. five days a week. <laughs> so look at you like, oh, how much cardio do you do? Zero. <laughs> it's probably, yeah. <laughs> They're just like, people what are you? People probably oh, you bitch. How can you get away with that all? <laughs> I kind of feel guilty saying yeah, it, you yeah. know, but I just know my body so well. Yeah. I just know exactly how it responds and what it needs and mm-hmm. just do it like that. So, I mean, I, I know what the bodybuilding culture in Australia is like. What's mm. it like in New Zealand? I think I've only been there the once yeah. for the, the, the Pan Packs. Yeah. Um, generally, as a competitor, is, yeah. it, is it a really good supportive environment? Yes. It's beautiful. It's so, so friendly, so supportive. Um, it's a, Yeah, it's a really positive environment. You see a lot of the same people kind of on the circuit, but they're really embracing to novices that are coming through as well. Yeah. Um, I go to quite a few of the shows because I have clients competing in different federations because I'm helping them, you know, find where they personally fit in. Yeah. Um, I always suggest never WFF first but if their body doesn't quite fit into a never wf yeah. class yeah. then you know i'm going to help them find where they fit in and maybe over time as their physique develops then i can bring them over but you know it's you've got to put your clients first so yeah so i go to a lot of shows but um i enjoy talking to a lot of the athletes there and just especially the novices who are coming through that are really nervous they don't know how it all works backstage um and it's so nice to see when they feel really welcomed and um, like you know, everyone around them is supportive, and it's not scary because it's very easy to assume that it's going to be a really catty environment and yeah. highly competitive backstage and people doing you know all sorts of crazy. I stuff know of to... sometimes when it has been like that, mm. and you get these people coming to go, oh my god, you know, there's people crying over there, <laughs> throwing their trophies and screaming at each other, and you know, yeah. or, or this person rocked up and saw who was in their class and mm. they had a, had a had a breakdown. Yeah. Um, and that can be really, I guess that's part of the, the psychology of 
what goes yeah. on that people don't really see because they see you on stage they don't really see what happens in your in your head or backstage exactly yeah um, how, I how definitely do you prepare people for that oh um or have you I mean, have you seen that yourself when you when you go backstage and there's things aren't necessarily going right for someone in I definitely country. noticed that it's more dramatic in Australia than it is in New Zealand <laughs> I have to say yeah, and oh, a little oh, bit cattier and I do mm. tell my clients that I do say we're really lucky in New Zealand because we yeah. we have a really positive supportive mm. kind of circuit um, and it is a little different in Australia it's yeah. and it's just you know bigger numbers mm. um, so it's more competitive yeah. I guess um, but in saying that, I've never had a bad experience in Australia, but you yeah. kind of just see it a bit, a little bit more drama. I think yeah. <laughs> what I've noticed in the last couple of years is that people tend to make, make more excuses, but they, they give mm. more reasons yeah. for when they don't yeah. perform the way they were expecting. Exactly. Mm. Um, and you know, we, had, we had someone recently say, oh, you know, it's, uh, the judging is all about politics. Oh. And you're like, what? It makes me angry. It's like, yeah. Well, you yeah. know, I had, we, there was a... You have a panel for a reason. Yeah, it's like, yeah, there's, there's no politics because half the people don't know who you are. Exactly. Um, it's not political. No. And it's not like we're, we're sitting there changing the changing the, no. the judging sheets or anything. We've got 15 judges there. Mm. If we, yeah, if you make an obvious change like that and they all know because mm. they've all been told what the result is, mm. if you change the result before you go on stage, they're all going to get up and walk away. Yeah. You know, like... You're not going to waste ten hours of your day on something that someone else is going to change. Exactly, it's it's a slap it's in the face. It's going to be overridden, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, you haven't. Well, I found that that comes out a little bit more with people, especially on social media. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, yeah, my, my prep was impacted by X, yeah. Y, and Z. Yeah, um, that's why I didn't come away with first place. Or that's yeah, why I didn't look as good as I felt I should have. Mm. Um, it's always funny that those things come out after the comp not during the comp yeah that's right because often they can be really happy leading up to yeah, the show great even on the day and, oh, yeah. and then all of a sudden yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean does, does that sort of come out at all in New Zealand oh yeah I think it probably does probably everywhere right, yeah. eh? this is bodybuilding um, and you know like individuals put a lot of time energy and finances into prepping themselves and they're trusting their support network um, their coaches, their nutritionists, you know, trying to dial in just right. But what you can't control is who else turns up on the day. Yeah. You have no control over that. You can only turn up the best you can. Um, and also you can spend a lot of time on social media like Facebook stalking and trying to figure out, you know, <laughs> who's, who's going to be in your lineup and yeah. trying to figure out what they look like. Yeah. And I have to say, I never do that. I do none of that. In fact, I don't well, even but spend you're, you're the one that people are probably sitting there media. trying to stalk you, going, oh, geez, what, she, what does she look like now? Where's the latest photo? Oh, God, no, I'm going to be here. And that's their problem. And, yeah. you know, I don't even put up a lot of photos, you mm. know, and if I do, they're often old ones mm. because I actually haven't had time to take new ones, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, <laughs> so they're not always that's, current. That's always the tricky thing. You, you, yeah. you get this nice stack of old photos and you just post the best ones. Yes. And just keep people on their toes. They're not sure what you look like. What exactly. you look like or what you're getting coming like. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. And sometimes, you know, those old like bathroom selfies and things like that, <laughs> they just don't quite, you know, they're okay, but they don't even show everything. Yeah. They don't show your full condition no. and um, that kind of thing. So, oh, well, if people on Facebook stalk me, that's fine. Yeah. But they're not, probably not going to see current stuff. <laughs> <laughs> not really. So... It's it's probably fair to say you're, you've become a, quite a, a positive role model for figure, for awesome. female bodybuilding. Yeah. Um, I'm hearing it. It's so nice. Yeah. I guess 
being that that's the case, what sort of advice do you give to new competitors, especially you know girls who are coming in? Mm. Um, they look at you, and mm. uh, I think it's probably fair to say that there's a lot of uh, women in the bodybuilding industry who take it too far. Yeah, and you Definitely. seem to have it a, a really good balance. Um, Thank you. And if people look at you, they say, you know, I know obviously I said this the other day at the Karma Classic that you know you, you present very well on stage. You've got this this nice femininity about you. You, you don't look like a, a science experiment. Mm. Like, oh, good. <laughs> I'm not saying anyone at that show did, but yeah. you know we see yeah. people around the world, especially extreme. Know, go over you, mm. and they, they really they take it to a very unhealthy extreme. Mm. And it becomes very unpalatable, and people mm. look at it and they go, "Oh, geez, that's not exactly." Yeah, we can't get on board with that. Yeah. Um, what sort of advice do you give to, to new competitors coming in who look at you and go, "Well, she's like, oh, yeah, I'd like to be like Joanna." Well, at the end of the day, it comes down to genetics, mm. and you can't change those. They just, no matter how many steroids you pump in, <laughs> you cannot change your genetics. Mm. It, you know your proportions and things like that. So you can only work with your own genetics. Um, So, you know, I've sort of, it's pretty funny, I've sort of heard in the past people saying, oh, my my goal is one day to beat you. And I'm like, okay, that's a good goal. Good luck with that because I know my genetics are pretty pretty (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Thanks, Mum. But, you know, I think... um, You've got to be realistic and just um, know what you have to work with mm. um, and just stay real because it's you can get really carried away mm. in this industry and it can, as you just said, be taken to ridiculous extremes. But you've got to live in your body for the rest of your life. Mm. So yeah, go ahead and do the extremes. Yeah. I don't know how long you're going to live for yeah. <laughs> if you continue to do them. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I just, I agree um, that female bodybuilding always looks best when there's still a feminine Mm. aspect to it. So it's always about sort of getting that balance and knowing the limitations and listening to people who you really trust, who are very experienced in the industry. Um, Yeah, and just finding where you fit in, Mm. which class your body works really well in, mm. in yeah, where uh, you can really be competitive. Yeah, I, I totally understand that there are some people out there who, um, you know, especially some, some women, um, mm. who keeping a feminine look is not an important factor yeah. in their lives yeah. because of you know, what they've got going on. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's fine. There's a market for that. But I, I suppose for the for the everyday person to look at bodybuilding yeah I mean, it's it's hard enough to to pass bodybuilding off as something that the general public can get involved with exactly um <laughs> when you see the raft of, of differences in the people that come into the into the bodybuilding mm. industry um you sort of, i think you, you've sort of got to pick which ones yeah. you can market the best yeah. And these days it seems like it's you know, the, the bikini and sports model yeah. and the boys in board shorts. That's mm. really what's, um, what's sort of driving home hard. Is, is that pretty pretty similar in New Zealand? You got, you yeah. Know, that sort of, those classes are really... Yeah, they are. They're, they're really popular. The they're, they're definitely the, the biggest classes there, I'd say. Um, and yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> the bodybuilding look isn't for everyone. Not everyone digs it. Mm. You know, it is extreme, but... You know, you do. We see all the time. We see athletes that start off in those sort of, you know, classes that require less muscularity. Mm. But as they go through the journey and grow to love 
training and competing and dieting, you know, more and more, then you start to see them move up the classes and and you see sports models go into figure and that kind of thing, which is always good to see. And, and that's what the classes are there for as well, aren't they? They're kind of stepping stones. Yeah. Um, or they can be can be used as stepping stones. So, yeah, I'd say it's pretty similar in New Zealand. Um, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You've, done, you've, done, you've done a bit of travel in bodybuilding. Mm. Um, any places that you would love to go back to or you'd love to travel to for the first time? Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's, I guess it's kind of cliche, but every bodybuilder, I guess, would love to go to the States and, yeah. and compete there. I haven't done that yet. Orlando well, would have been the, the one, but there, it just wasn't on the plan there, last year. There is, you know? there is talk of uh, having another international competition in LA is there? possibly 2018 oh yeah so can't really give anything away okay cool but yeah that's sort of on the cards at the moment that we might be uh cool might be having a show over there yeah um which would be really good be good to get back over yeah over stateside yeah um it's always good going to europe i love europe yeah someone said to me yesterday in fact i think it was robert said oh you know you should consider doing a show in kuwait which one is that Oh, the, the Kuwait shows men only oh. because of. Oh, it, I, I, <laughs> you said that. Yeah, no, it's. Okay. I, I, oh, bugger! The 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 because uh, of, because of the way the country is politically and religiously. Course. Yeah. Um, it's pretty much you know. There's no way. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's no way that they would ever support. No. Um, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes perfect sense. It, yeah, the. It really irks me, but at the same time, yeah. you know, th- you have they're, to respect. they're putting up the yeah. money for that show. They're hosting mm. it in their country. Um, so, yeah. you know, I guess the the benefit that we can bring to competitors and to the, to the organisation mm. worldwide through running a show there, we can bring that back yeah. and, and distribute it to, you know, to totally. the rest of the competitor base. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it, I don't know. I can see both sides. It, it does leave me. It, it leaves me feeling a bit uncomfortable because I want. I, I very much want there to be a parity between what the men and the mm. women are receiving. Yeah. Um, prize exactly. money wise and, yeah. and, and notoriety wise. Exactly. Um, and I think we've got a good even mix of quality competitors mm. across the men's and the women's classes. Mm. Um, in some cases, you know, the, the women's classes are a lot more enjoyable to watch. Mm. Um, certainly, you know, some of the international shows, the, the women's figure, pro figure divisions. Mm. Um, are a lot more right. hotly contested, right? Yeah, um, and that I think pr- provides a greater level of interest, especially to the yeah you know, the casual fan. Yeah, um, oh, that's cool. So yeah, but uh, look, yeah, I mean, the USA would be would be really good to to get mm. back to. Um, where have you been overseas competing, other than your bit of Greece and Australia? Australia, that's it. ดีอ่าในยูนิเวอร์ซิตี้ซิงคโปร์เนี่ยใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช่ใช
um, when they had the, the universe in Korea no. a couple of years ago, and that was massive. Oh, yeah. Um, but the, the Korean competition, they had one, oh, what, about six months ago or oh, yeah. nine months ago there, a big show, and they had something like 1,500 competitors. Wow. Or 1,500 oh, entries. They may have had people doubling wow. up, but wow. still it's... You know, when Humongous. you've got 1,500 people <laughs> and they did it all in one day. What? And that's like, uh, it must be a testament to the Korean way of just <laughs> getting everyone <laughs> registered and on stage and off stage. Oh my God, um, that's insane. Yeah, Organization. Just, you know, people aren't pushing each other out of the way. Everyone just, you know, you know where you've got to be and you yeah. get on there. Um, and in Mexico recently, actually, they had a show and the promoters over there were saying, telling us that they had 500 competitors. So the University of Brazil this year might mm. be, you know, oh, we might have 300 Mexicans My gosh. <laughs> showing up at the, uh, the Alamo or something, <laughs> storm, storm the gates. It's going to be, um, it's gonna, I think it's going to be a really big show. Yeah. Um, yeah there was obviously, the, the bodybuilding culture in South America, if, you know, have, you, have you been to South America No, before? no, it's, I've been um, to North America. It's really intense. Mm. Um, and it doesn't get anywhere near the sort of publicity that, a lot of what goes on in Europe or, or right. in America gets, um, but they love it. And the, the bikini, mm. the whole Brazilian course, bikini yeah, sort of culture, yeah. it's just incredible. Yeah. And they'll get, you know, 20, 30, 40 people, you know, bikini models and sports models and that in, in lineups. So I think it's going to be, um, yeah, there might be a few people <laughs> walking into the show over there thinking, oh, I'm, you know, I'm top stuff. And <laughs> <laughs> might be a bit of a rude awakening for Yeah, them. but that's yeah. always a good thing. Yeah. Really. Keeps, uh, mm. keeps raising the bar. Definitely. And yeah, you should never go in thinking that. Mm. I mean, <laughs> I go in there confident, but yeah. I, and I plan to win, but I never expect yeah. to win because mm. you just don't know mm. who's going to show up on the day. Mm. You just can't control that. Yeah, that's that's quite a mature attitude, though. That yeah, you know, if you it's if you're realistic, in, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, and most people sort of miss that. Especially mm, nowadays, exactly. When, you know, yeah, everything's out on on social media. Everyone's sort of yeah, they're all going in there expecting to win, and when they don't, they yeah, they and make excuses it, and justify it. Yeah. 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 So, how much longer are you in Australia for? Um, I leave tonight. All right. So. Um, yeah, it's nice staying here with mum. She's yeah. going to come back with me and visit my girls okay. for a week. Yeah. And my husband and then she'll go over to Wellington as well, where her yeah. mum is. Um, yeah. So that'll be nice. And then, yeah, so I'll be back for Sydney. Cool. For the 31st. Oh, so that'll cool. be good. I used to live in Sydney, so looking forward to going out there. How long, how long ago were you in Sydney? Um, well, when was it? It was just when I met my now husband. 2000. <clears throat> 2004. Okay. Um, and whereabouts were you living? Um, in be- it was sort of Coogee, in between Coogee and Maroubra. Okay. I was born yeah, in Sydney. On the coast. Oh, lived, yeah. Just, it was in Oatley, which is outside of Sutherland Shire. All right, yeah. So sort of, yeah. I don't really remember it all that well. I mean, I've been to, I've been to, used to go to Sydney all the time mm. as a kid, but um, I think the, the, the lifestyle in Melbourne seems to be a lot more relaxed. I don't know if you, you've, yeah, I, it does, doesn't it? Oh, especially plus the yeah. coffee culture here. Yeah, <laughs> if you want good coffee, it's um, yeah, yeah, and just that the arts and and yeah, restaurants and cafe culture, the shopping culture. It is. It's a little more 
I don't know. Yeah, it's a bit crazier. It's really nice here mm. in Melbourne. But yeah, Sydney's crazy. Mm. Um, and I did notice after I moved home back to New Zealand with my husband and we came back to visit a couple of years later. I was pregnant with my second. And we went back into Sydney CBD, which is where we used to yeah. work yeah. at Fitness First on Pitt Street when it was there back in the day. And it was just crazy. It was crazy. And we said to each other, we forgot how crazy it is. <laughs> I guess when you've got no kids, Sydney's... I know a lot of friends yeah. who have gone up there to live, and yeah, they're all. It was doable. Yeah, all, yeah <laughs> doable. Late twenties no in there, no kids, and it's easy. It's fun. Good, good yeah. party, party lifestyle. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I think uh, yeah, as you get older, it's definitely. And yeah, I've lived in Melbourne for most of my life in, right. in a quiet suburban area, mm. and every time I, not that I hate crowds, mm. but whenever I go to Sydney, it's just everything feels crowded. Yeah. Um, and I can I can deal with it when I go overseas to to Europe or. You know, uh, yeah, in a tourist area, um, but when I'm at home, mm. especially even in Melbourne, I, you know, when we, when there's a really big event on, and yep. it's just thousands, yeah, and thousands of people. You really feel it, it feels overwhelming. Yes, I, it does. I almost go, oh, geez, I just, I'd rather be at home watching yeah. TV <laughs> than than out with this enormous crowd. Yeah, so it feels, I know what uh, you mean. Yeah, it feels, it feels a bit antisocial, but. Yeah. <laughs> It just feels like they're taking over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Gosh, it's like that when the Rugby World Cup was in New Zealand and in Auckland. It was just yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> so, so you grew up in Wellington, but you live yeah. in Auckland? Yes, yeah, you... so I grew up in Wellington. And then uh, when I started my professional ballet training, yeah. came up to Auckland, did a couple of years of that up, up in Auckland. And then I got accepted into professional ballet school in London. So okay, wow. I went over there. So I was oh, 17 wow. when I went to London. Oh, jeez. Um, my mum came over with me, got me set up in a YWCA hostel yep. and left me there. <laughs> Apparently she went Jeez, on the tube to Heathrow and she just cried the whole way oh. because she was just thinking, what am I doing? Yeah. Leaving my little girl in London by herself. Oh. But I was all right. You know, I'd already been living by myself in Auckland up yep. to that point, but I had yeah. been boarding with a family and, or, you know, sort of boarding. So it was a bit more... Yeah, I was a bit more looked after. But uh, yeah, being in London at the age of 17 by yourself wow. and having to navigate the whole tube system and getting myself to, to, to the dance school where I would be there training 12 hours a day. Mm. It was a hugely long day. Get myself back home at night. I went through a phase of anorexia. Yeah. Um, you know, we, girls are being weighed mm. all the, every week. You know, we're being weighed. And, mm. and so, you know, you just do things like just not eat, yeah. uh, you know, before weigh day. Um, Whereas now so you know you just go to the gym, lift weights for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I just leave it to my metabolism yeah. these days. <laughs> but no, you know, it was when you're really young and impressionable. What, what, do you, what do you do for money? I mean, do they. Was, when you're over there yeah, as a, as a Oh, mum had to support me. So I but, suppose. Yeah. Like, we, did you live at the Y for. Oh, for, I did for about. Uh, might have been three or four months. Okay. And then by the time I was sort of making friends and stuff and. Yeah. You know, sort of then ended up doing a little bit of flatting and yeah. that kind of thing. But yeah, she was supporting me. The ballet school at one point gave me a scholarship for a term, or a couple of terms or something. Yeah. And that was would have been a huge help because in pounds, you know, a Kiwi yeah. dollar to the pound, like yeah. that was huge. Like anything to the pound for, these days. For my mum to <laughs> put me through that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I lived in London for a few years, finished off my um, dance qualifications. On my graduation day, I got offered a contract with a full-time ballet company, cool. which is just incredible because there were so many dancers yeah. doing the audition circuit in London trying mm. to make it, and I just finished 
you know, right on graduation day, got offered that contract. So went up to Leeds and worked in a full-time ballet company up there wow. and toured all the UK. Cool. Did a tour to China. That was pretty awesome. Nice. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So you, you, I love you, dance, living in the UK. you dance professionally then yeah. for how many years? Um, four years. Okay. Yeah. Was that, was that a difficult process, leaving that behind, given that you'd put so much into it over those years? Yeah, well, I had danced for 20 years of my life. Nice. It was all I knew. Yeah. Um, but I was starting to kind of look around and wonder what else there was in life. Mm. So, um, and I had discovered the gym. Mm. <laughs> so even on tour with the ballet company, yeah. when I had time, I was running off to the gym. Yeah. Um, was it one of those things that you just sort of walk past and you know, at night on, a, on an evening stroll and go, oh, what's all that about? <laughs> yeah, Normally evenings we were performing, but... Um, our, the physio that we had in the ballet company was really great and she would always locate a gym that the dancers could go to and so we'd get like a half price weekly membership or something so we could just rock up there yeah. whenever we wanted and that was always the first thing when we got to new venue yeah. I'd be finding out where was the gym <laughs> so that when I wasn't in rehearsals and I could I could yeah. be there I was normally on the treadmill yeah. but <laughs> um, yeah I started to love it but anyway, the, the ballet company I was with was starting to change. Directors had changed over a few times. It wasn't sort of the same company that I had joined. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was just starting to wonder what else there was in the world. Mm. And I was enjoying the gym so much that that's kind of naturally just the next step was mm. to maybe go down that track. You mentioned before that you had a bit of a battle, a battle with anorexia. Mm. Was that a, a, a long thing? No. Or was that just a brief? Sort of... No, it probably lasted about nine months yeah and um i was just probably not eating a lot of calories and i was dancing all day and then i was also walking a lot i was you know walking instead of catching the tube mm. i was justifying more calorie yeah. <laughs> burning by walking you know to school and back again yeah. um and then when i had spare time i'd be on the exercise bike mm. in the physio room mm. you know that kind of thing even in ballet class, if I wasn't dancing, I'd be jogging on the spot. Wow. Like, yeah. calorie output yeah. magnitude. Yeah. Um, and at my lightest was probably about uh, 41, 42 kilos. Wow. Considering that I have competed at, like, 47, yeah. you know. It's, but it is a big yeah. difference when you're 40 kilos and you're almost skeletal. Exactly. Versus when you're you know, 47 kilos, kilos and you've muscle. got muscle. Yeah. Um, people, are, I can understand why... People look at the weight on the scale and they yeah. think bodybuilders are anorexic. But yeah. If you see what they eat afterwards, oh you know, they're definitely not. How many meals a day that yeah. we eat? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. That's, that's, I think that's that's part of the great mystery of bodybuilding that it's this, you know, people will eat six, seven meals a day mm. um, and, and they're, not, they're yeah. not calorie deprived. It's just no. that they're, they're doing everything in such an efficient way exactly. that they're getting the results. Metabolism is so yeah. primed. So what, what was your, uh, what's your, uh, your cheat meal, your favorite? Or post-comp meal? Oh, post-comp meal. No, you're talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it always has to be some Ooh. kind of salty fry, like, you know, wedges, chunky fries, sort of yep. really nice beer batter fish and chips. Yeah. Or, um, but last night we came back here and mum did these really nice chicken burgers and oh, oven God. fries and Ooh. that really hit the spot. It was really nice. good. Normally there'll be a glass of wine involved. Yeah. Not too many, but, you know, one yeah. or two. And... Um, Oh man, I love my cheese boards. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there has to be cheese. I was going through her well, fridge trying to like, locate the brie. And the New, blue New Zealand has very good cheese, I believe. It does. Um, and good wine. Good cheese and wine, yeah. Oyster Bay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, 
yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Cool. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to keep you too much longer because I think you've probably got uh, some things to do for the afternoon. Thank you. Thank you for sitting with me. And, um, Pleasure. It was really thanks nice. Thanks for having thanks, me. Thanks, Daniel. It's been, uh, it's been really great. We look forward to seeing you very soon. Yes. And um, Bring it on. Yeah. Here's to the muscle tour. <laughs> <laughs> May it go on. <laughs> Just before we do go, um, I don't know if you're, are you very religious? No. At all? Um, I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's a show inside the actor's studio. Oh, yeah. And the host, James Lipton, likes to ask um, a bit of a bit of a curveball question to, yeah. to his guests. Um, essentially, it's if heaven exists yeah. and you arrive at the pearly gates at the mm. end of your life, what would you like God to say to you? Or what would you like to hear? Oh, I like that. Um, well done. <laughs> you definitely did your best. You're a good mother. You're a good wife. Um, you, you did everything in your power to make your life good. And uh, you kicked some ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be all right. I, I like I'd, I'd be happy like with that. that. I like that. <laughs> um, and I was behind you all the way, by the way. Cool. You know, that'd cool. be cool as well. Yeah. Right. yeah, no, I do believe that I don't really believe in have a religion as such yeah. but I believe in the spirit world yeah. and I believe that we'll have um, sort of spirit guides and angels and you know that kind of thing mm. that kind of influence your Something life and us. I believe that you can you can manifest what you really want if you mm. communicate with them mm. so I do do a little bit of that cool I'm not too big to admit that yeah, um, yeah. so mm. yeah alright that's where I'm at with that. Cool. All right. Well, I <laughs> Thanks, think we'll, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much. No, my pleasure. We'll see Thank you, again you. Lovely soon. to see you. Cheers. <laughs> okay, so that was Johanna Mountfit, and um, I don't really think I need to say too much more about Johanna um, that she hasn't already said about herself, or that didn't come out in the interview. Um, yeah, she's she's awesome. That that that's pretty obvious. Come on. Um, so yeah, if you haven't if you haven't already uh, jumped onto Facebook and and looked her up, definitely um, definitely do so. She's uh, a great ambassador, like I said uh, before the episode, um, and I think she's got a Facebook page, Johanna Mountford WFF Pro. That might be around the other way. Um, she's on Instagram, I'm pretty sure, under the same similar sort of sort of name. Uh, I don't think any. Twitter. Do people still do Twitter? I don't think, unless you're Donald Trump, I don't think anyone really does Twitter that much anymore. Um, I've got a Twitter, but it's pretty inactive. I don't really see much point in it. Instagram seems to be the the big uh, the big thing. The easy, the easy way to go. Oh jeez. Anyway, um, there's probably not a lot more to say, and at the risk of not wanting to ramble or say too much, or ramble, I'm going to cut it there. Have a great week. I will talk to you soon on This Is Body.